Well, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast. Here we are back for part two of being a district deputy grandmaster. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. Tools podcast for part two of being a district deputy grandmaster. I think last time we left off there, we were going to talk about what Zane. Well, I think just uh, some successes uh, that uh, that we've had as uh, uh, as deputy, and uh, kind of go around the room and kind of dive into the actual job rather than the the uh, getting to the job, but actually the job itself. Okay, well, I'll start because I can keep it really short. I haven't had any successes as a district deputy grandmaster yet, so that's short. <laughs> I'm sure someday you will. <laughs> uh, how about how about uh, David? I, I was going to say, Carson, is I'll be interested to be a fly on the wall in that committee when, when uh, Stephen gets his vote to keep us right worshipful. <laughs> I guess, uh, we got another eight years before it gets back to thinking about our lives. <laughs> Uh, successes I, I don't know I guess successes I didn't get kicked out I don't know that's a success I, you know everyone still likes you <laughs> yeah well apparently a lot of people still think I'm DDG I mean it's been <laughs> I know for the first couple of months of my uh 10 years everybody thought you were the deputy still I'm like I don't know let's go check with Dave <laughs> uh, no it's, it's, it's one of the cool things that we were able to do during my my first term as deputy, uh, three of our lodges, <clears throat> Verity 59, who Zane is a member of, past master of, in Kent, Washington, and King Solomon number 60 in Auburn. And at the time, it was uh, Cascade, uh, Western Star, excuse me, Western Star 61 in 1889 had received their dispensation and in 1890 received their, their charter. And uh, we had 125 year reconstitution ceremony at our district as part of my district meeting. So that was kind of a fun thing to do and be deputy as that during that time. And that's actually where I did the research on the titles and stuff. And it was, I just was looking it up again. It was Wally Topstead, who was the first district deputy of 13 and right worshipful. And then uh, they, so it looks to me like there was terms longer than two years. And in 53, they made a resolution to shorten it to two so that there was a feeling that those proposing there's a shorter term will afford an opportunity for larger number of brothers to participate and thus stimulate greater interest in Grand Lodge affairs. <clears throat> so they shortened it to a two year term it must have been longer or maybe unlimited. Maybe you could just be, I think there's a lot of jurisdictions that are DDGM for life, right? I mean, as long as you don't mess up, you're, you're DDGM forever. But well, in, in, in England, uh, if you're the, uh, they call it provincial uh, uh, grandmaster there. Once you're appointed until 
you decide to uh, to retire from the post, it, it's yours. So you you you've had guys who served in there 15, 20 years uh, in that one position. So is, and, you think becoming a DDGM over here is tough? You know, imagine over there, <laughs> the guys in there for fifteen years. <laughs> and and technically, our term uh, they used to call us. Right Worshipful District Deputy Grand Master, and now we are officially by code uh, Deputy of the Grand Master right. in District such and such. However, if you look at if you read your letter, you get that appoint the appointment letter. It does still say District yeah. Deputy Grand Master, which is interesting to me. Yeah, that's my title right here. Is is the uh, uh, Right Worshipful Brother District Deputy Grand Master? Yeah. So Zane, what was the mo- what was a memorable thing from your term? Oh, well, certainly one of the highlights was, so I was appointed by um, uh, uh, most worshipful now, Jim Mendoza. Uh, He had previously been a district deputy in our district, but just a great friend and mentor of mine. And so um, I've I've had the opportunity to, to, um, you know, host him, uh, his, his, you know, district meeting uh, in District 13, right at the end of the year. That was a that was a pretty big highlight. But one of the, the things that I just really liked doing is, as the course of being the deputy was during, during official visits, meeting with the, uh, the worshipful master of the lodge and really kind of just breaking down the direction of their lodge, um, talking about, you know, just all sorts of things, kind of like the operation of the lodge. Do you have a budget? What are your educational, you know, programs like, you know, talk to me about, your adoption of the six step program. I mean, really for me, it was what's the strategic direction of this lodge, even if they don't have a piece of paper that says, here's our, our, you know, strategic plan. Do you really have one though? And, um, and in most cases it was, it was very good conversation. And usually from it, there's usually one or two things that, you know, that kind of popped out that were ideas that, other lodges had been working on and I was sharing it with this lodge and hey, that's a really good idea. We'll give that a try in our lodge. And so it was kind of that network of sharing best practices uh, that, that occurred during the official visit. So those are the things that I really like doing during my term. Now I know you guys haven't, uh, you know, been passed yet, but uh, now is there anything standing out in your terms that um, for you guys or, or, or goals that you want to achieve? Um, I know that, uh, <clears throat> well, seemingly one of Carson's goals is to give uh, good education. And so far at all of his district deputy official visits, um, it's been very good educational pieces. And not one person has nodded off on the sidelines. Well, I guess that's the goal is to not have anyone fall asleep. It's a, yeah, I mean, we're only halfway through. It's the, uh, the, uh, the one thing which, Pretty much no one saw it because it was behind the scenes. It was conflict in one of the lodges that uh, uh, that I had in there, and I was able to uh, to solve that to everyone's satisfaction. So, you know, you know that's kind of you know it's part of the job, but it, it's nice that I can you know stop anything from escalating before it gets too bad. Um, a lot of the big things are still coming in the uh, in the new year. I've got the uh, the Grand Master's official visit to our district in April, and uh, in March I've got. Uh, uh, district Education Day. I have my education officer hosting it, and uh, because we're the big district in in our area, I have uh, the districts from both north and south of us. They're all coming up uh, to our district uh, and participating in it, and that's for all the uh, 
mainly the incoming uh, officers of the lodge, but any brother can can attend it as well, just for uh, a greater educational day as well. So hopefully, ho hopefully there'll be more good memories coming up. So Stephen, if I can Shanghai your question asking for a moment, Karsten, in your uh, in the last episode, you mentioned that uh, showing up to the your official visit with your suite. Um, apparently, there's a there's an education officer in there. Who else is who else is a member of your suite of, that you travel with? Uh, well, for example, the uh, at my uh, last one, which we just had on ninth, I had 24 people, uh, 24 guys in my suite, which has actually been one of the smaller suites in there. So uh, the guys in my suite are all current Grand Lodge officers who are there. Like I've got uh, in my district, there is a, uh, the, the Grand Junior Deacon is there and uh, the Grand Marshal is there. Um, any past DDGMs if, uh, uh, can go into a suite and past Grand Lodge officers. And uh, then um, the Worshipful Masters of, uh, of all the lodges in my district, uh, as well as any Sometimes I get visiting Worshipful Masters from other districts as well uh, that come into the suite as well. And of course, uh, the uh, district education officer as well, he would, be, uh, he would be within my suite. And then I've got to name everyone their name, their rank, and what, uh, what office that they serve there without, making, uh, without messing up there, all 24 of <laughs> them. That, that, that's more pressure than doing anything else, is, uh, is naming them in my suite. Interesting. So do they sit? Do they sit near you in the meeting then, or how does that? Well, um, the uh, the sitting worshipful masters will usually sit to the left of the worshipful master in the east, and grand lodge officers will sit to my right in in order of rank. So uh, depending on uh, what office they hold is, I guess, the closer to me <laughs> they they sit and uh, and of lower lower rank farther away. And, uh, and everyone else just sits on the sidelines. So it sounds like you guys haven't got a lot of uh, experience with these suites. Is that what I understand? Okay, so the suite actually comes in uh, led by the district deputy grandmaster. Yeah, yeah. They all come, pardon me, you're last. It, it's led by usually two presenters from the lodge and then they're followed by all of these people that Karsten just listed, and they form this great big horseshoe in lodge spanning from the uh, northeast uh, corner all the way down and around up to the southeast corner. <clears throat> and then they all get introduced uh, as the suite. And um, Karsten is, you know, on the spot to know, know them all and label them all and uh, introduce them all and then and then thank his presenters does this happen during the district meeting or does this happen when you have an official visit to a lodge when does it, this happen that, that's at every official visit yeah but it, it, that that happens uh, one, only once in each lodge it doesn't happen when i just uh show up like the first time i'll come there the first time i'm there they give you grand honors as a first timer but uh but for every lodge i have to have an official visit right and at time they'll tender me the uh, the gavel and it's one of those funny things most of the guys in the uh, the lodge you know they ju it's just something the the master does and most masters have no idea why they're even tendering me the gavel on that night yet on all the other nights that I come there I just sit up next to the worshipful master and they they never tender me the gavel they they they, they don't understand the significance as that on that official visit 
Beto, I'm not just the Grandmaster's representative. He actually signs over his, his powers and prerogatives for me for that evening. So technically on that evening when I come in, that's why I come in with my suite. It's the same thing as what a Grandmaster would do. Okay. Uh, for that evening and that evening only, I'm for all intents and purposes, the Grandmaster. In our jurisdiction, they do tender us the gavel at the end of the meeting and we, and we do close lodge. Um, and so, yeah, we, we have that. <laughs> I don't know that we have the whole, yeah. uh, the whole suite that goes along with that. Yeah, we don't the, get the, the guidance I was given was if the, what is it? If they do a good job with opening, then you can close. But if they screw up the opening, give them a chance to do the closing right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I know that there's a whole bunch of pomp and pageantry around uh, the entrance of our district deputy grandmaster on their official visit. Uh, and, it, and it's exact same pomp and pageantry as if it was the grandmaster uh, who was visiting a lodge. Um, unless, of course, you happen to be a grandmaster visiting Prince Charles Lodge with Robert Stewart as a Tyler, who's never met you, doesn't know who you are, and doesn't believe you, you got to show me your dues card. And of course, <laughs> it's the only time the guy's ever been asked for his dues card, right? You know? I wasn't, I, I, was, I never really got comfortable with all the pomp and circumstance about uh, an official visit. I, I wanted to see them at labor. I wanted to see their ritual. Um, I wanted to see what kind of education program they had. I was much more interested in seeing, you know, how does this lodge function? Do I have a high degree of confidence that they're going to be able to retain members as they, you know, continue to join? And I don't know, for me, it was uh, the, the pomp and circumstances that goes along with, uh, uh, with ours. Uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really comfortable with it to start with, but I can't even imagine having a whole suite, you know, <laughs> attend. Even, what about you, Dave? <laughs> even, the, even the Grandmaster doesn't have that, except for annual communication. They have the yeah. big parade, but even the Grandmaster just has been lately, at least, been sitting on the sidelines and uh, not, not even brought in. I think, I think when I was senior deacon uh, 10 years ago, literally 10 years ago this year, I, was the last time I remember having a Grandmaster do a formal entry into the lodge rooms. Otherwise they've all just been sitting on the sidelines. So that's I happened interesting. I happened to visit a lodge in, uh, in Oregon one time and it happened to be their official visit. And they actually had all the members of the lodge line up in a, in a double row from the, the entry door to the lodge to the East. And kind of like we do at Grand Lodge again for the Grand Master when he enters and they were, you know, applauded him as he came in and they had a little ceremony and that sort of stuff. It was much more, Pumpful, if that's a word, than, uh, <laughs> than the way we do it around here. Apparently, Washington's just a, a bunch of slackers in that department. <laughs> oh, in BC, anytime the Grandmaster shows up, it's technically an official visit and he comes in with his suite. But ironically, the Grandmaster's suite is always smaller because the only people who are allowed to be in the Grandmaster's suite are sitting Grand Lodge officers, not past Grand Lodger. Unless you're a past Grandmaster, you'll go into his suite. But uh, no other uh, past Grand Lodge officers, there are no worshipful masters. So you have to be um, a current Grand Lodge officer to be within it in, in his suite. But he always comes in in a suite. And so that means that all the district deputy Grand Masters generally have a larger suite than the Grand Master, with the exception of during Grand Lodge communication, when he will have this huge entourage. Uh, come in. Yeah. 
Carson, do you uh, do you also sign the register when you come in as the grandmaster? Like in our example, in our register as the grandmaster always mm -hmm. signs at the top of the register above everybody else, kind of outside the line, so to speak. Do you do you do a similar thing in PC? Yes, I, I sign up at the top uh, uh, there and uh, put DDGM in in be in behind there. There's actually some registers they have under the list of officers they actually have printed in their DDGM where you can sign in there. But for most of it is yeah, I, I sign uh, kind of right up on top of everyone else. That's uh, that's where I sign. And that's in. that's only on your official visit, right? Not all no, normally. No, anytime I, that, oh, anytime. anytime I show up, uh, because uh, I don't know how it works in Washington. Um, in uh, in BC, I'm a uh, non-voting member of every lodge in my district for that year. So I'm a de facto mm -hmm. member. So uh, I, I sign in up above as the DDGM. And I also sign, uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, uh, when I'm there, uh, when the master signs the minutes of the meeting, there's also a spot there for the DDGM. And so after he signs it, I sign the uh, the minutes of the uh, the meeting as well. Oh, wow. Well, gents, yeah. I, I apologize, but I've got to head out. So uh, thank you very much for the conversation. It's been uh, it's been great pontificating on, on my uh, experience. And uh, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing all of you again soon here on the on a tiny screen. Right, Thanks for Matt. making it tonight, Matt. Appreciate your time. Yeah, it's it. When when we are, the only time we sign at the top is when you're representing the grandmaster. Of course, always signs when he visits any lodge, anytime, not even his official visits. We I always say official visits. You don't want him to ever have official visit. That means he's coming to get your charter. So it's just a reception. Uh, but when we would sign, we only sign at the top when it's the official visit when we're representing the grandmaster. So just the one time each lodge, I, I talk about pontificating. I, uh, I, I had had this wax seal that I was using for other things. And so I thought I'm going to bring this. So I, if you look back in the registers for all of my official visits, I've got a wax seal with a Masonic symbol next to my name where I signed. That's a, a, a way to leave your mark. Yeah, it was kind of fun, kind of a cool thing. So when people like when people ask about that, I can usually where if of course at the register, I can flip back and most registers, you know, they don't change very often. So you can flip back and you can you can see them right there on the register. It's kind of fun. Yeah, easy to find. Yeah. So any final comments on this topic, gentlemen? I would say that if there are brothers out there that are interested in learning more about being a deputy. Um, it's a lot of responsibility that goes along with it. It's not just a title, um, but uh, they should kind of make themselves known at some point um, because the at, at, at some point in time throughout the year, there's going to be a recommendation. And um, I, I would say that making sure that your declaration is known or that your interest is known is a good way to start. Yeah, I would, I would agree that there's a lot of myths in masonry and I've, I've always joked about writing a paper or a book about the myths of masonry. And that's one of them. I, th I think that there's this un unwritten rule that we're supposed to just you know, do good and then you'll be noted, you'll be identified as, uh, as someone that's wanting to be a master or an officer or district deputy or whatever. And I think I don't, yeah, I think you got to be careful of who you tell. You don't go tell everybody in the district or everybody in the lodge, but yeah, you go to a past DDGM or the current DDGM or someone that you're one of your mentors and say, Hey, what's next? How do I do this? What, what do I need to do to advance if you want to, or, Hey, I, I wouldn't mind giving an education talk. How do I do that? I think people, they, they're nervous. They think that they're going to come and ask you, Hey, would you do that?
would you present on the circumpuncture? Would you present on uh, the cable toe? Or would you present on something or whatever? And and they're then they're going to be asked, and they're not going to be asked necessarily. So they just sit in the sidelines and wait. Yeah, or if they ask to be the district deputy, they're automatically put on the list that they're not going to be the district deputy. Right. Like, you're going to you yeah. know, you mess it up if you ask. For sure. For That's sure. not the case. Not at all. It, the, the way it works here, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, is it's, it's almost quite frowned upon if, if people see that you're actively campaigning or, or wanting the job. And uh, it, it's, I, I guess it's more that old thing, you know, you're supposed to just, you know, uh, just work hard, do, uh, you know, uh, be, you know, obviously, if you're a good attender at the meetings, if you do a lot of ritual work and uh, are a really good servant for your lodge in the district, you know, people will will kind of start to get to know you and, and, and recommend you. But it's, it's almost kind of frowned upon if you start going around asking people like, Hey, you know, uh, could you recommend me for being DDGM or something like that? It's the, uh, uh, maybe times will change, but as of right now, people don't, don't look very favorably on that right now. Yeah, I think there's a difference between asking for recommendation too and just asking about the idea. I've had, I remember one time we were at an event and we went to the tavern to have a beer afterwards and, I walked in and there were three guys sitting at the end of the table and they all kind of looked up at me sheepishly and said, so what does it take to be DDGM? <laughs> and they all smiled and left and I, okay, we'll sit down here. We'll have a, have a talk. So I think it's a different between, Hey, what does it take versus I want to be there's, there have been a couple of guys that I'm going to be the next one or I'm, you know, yeah, that, that gets a little annoying. All right. Well, never know because it's up to the incoming grandmaster as well. You could be the most, uh, deserving person in the district, but uh, if the grandmaster has got a good friend in your district uh, that uh, that you know he wants over you, there's there's nothing you can do that uh, that person is going to get picked. So. Yep. All right. Well, unless there's anything else, I think uh, that kind of wraps up segment two of being a district deputy grandmaster in Washington or British Columbia. So, with that being said, thank you, gentlemen, for your time. We really appreciate uh, you spending it with us on this Sunday evening and um, hope that you'll both uh, consider coming back for future podcasts on different topics. Um, we, I know we'd love to have you back. Sure. Happy to. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me on.